0: Welcome to Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs and Tech Professionals. I'm your host, Mike Morton, Chartered Financial Counselor and Financial Advisor. And today's topic I'm super excited about. We're gonna be talking about opening a Roth IRA for minors, which sounds crazy, A, a retirement account for minors. So why would we do this? On today's show, I have a super special guest. I'm excited to welcome Megan Russell from Murata on Money, Murata Wealth Management. She is the Chief Operating Officer for Murata Wealth Management. She has been working in finance her whole career and has written over 700 financial articles. Megan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, as I mentioned, I'm super excited about this topic, but before we dive in, I also wanna say, I'm very excited to have you because I am a massive fan of Murata on Money. I've been reading articles from you guys for over eight to 10 years. And the stuff you put out is just simply amazing, super great. I'll mention that at the top that I'm super fan of having you here. And I'll mention it again later on at the end, where to find you, where to find all those great articles.
1: Oh, thank you so much for your readership. We love writing it.
0: Well, as I said, it's a wealth of material. It's great. But today's topic you have written a lot about. And we've uh, mentioned on this show many times about using a Roth IRA. I am such a massive fan of the Roth IRA for tax-free forever. It's a fantastic tool. And so we've definitely talked about that and the trade-offs of Roth IRAs. And we talked about backdoor Roths and all those kinds of things, but we haven't talked too much about using a Roth for a child or for a minor and how that works and why we'd even want to do that. So before we dive into the specifics, Megan, why would we consider using a Roth IRA for such a young child?
1: Yeah, funding your Roth IRA is usually one of the best financial decisions that you can make, and those benefits are just extended the younger you are when you contribute. You get those tax-free accumulation, tax-free distributions after age 59 and a half, and on top of that, you can take the money out up to what you've contributed at any time for any reason at any age. And then on top of that, there's a whole list of exceptions where you can take out money again, early tax-free with no penalty. So it really just, the benefits just stack on top of one another.
0: So Megan, with all these benefits of the Roth IRA, why do more people not put money for a young child?
1: Yeah. So some parents don't even know that you can open a Roth for a kid. So a Roth for a kid is called a custodial Roth IRA. So that's what—that's the term you're looking for when you're trying to open the account. Another reason is most people know you need to have earned income in order to contribute to a Roth. So a lot of people listening might be like, my kid doesn't have earned income, so I guess they can't contribute. But a lot of parents don't realize that household employment can count as earned income for that purpose. So examples of household employment are babysitters, caretakers, cooks, housekeepers, maids, nannies, private nurses, yard workers, those kinds of domestic support jobs. And it also overlaps with a lot of the things that parents don't want to do and would love to hire their kids to do. It actually is pretty convenient to get your kids earned income.
0: That's a great point. The earned income, of course, you have to have earned er, income to contribute to the Roth IRA. And that's the same for the kids. that that's They have true. to have earned yeah. income. To be able to do that and you just rattled off a whole bunch of opportunities for earned income so we're not i'd always thought about it as oh this will be great when my kid's like 13 or 14. so my oldest child is almost that age and of course he's not going to get a job <laughs> till, <laughs> till way later but assuming he did get a job you know that at 14 i was like oh that's when i could you know start doing this but you're saying you could start much earlier than yeah, that right
1: you can yeah you can start as soon as your kid is capable of doing valuable work for you and that varies based on family what kind of jobs you have to outsource to your kids but if your kids can do that valuable work for you and you can pay them for it then it's a win-win because then they can fund their roth you probably want them to fund their roth it's a great way to save money and then they can get the value of real work and learn uh, what it's like to labor for the things that you earn and own
0: I do want to get to the details of how we're going to open this Roth and how that's going to work because I'm sure parents are interested in – you mentioned the word custodial Roth and we'll get to that. But I want to pause for a minute on the earned income piece because you've mentioned – You can get kids working for stuff so does this have to be like a can we give them any amount of money or any kind of wage does it have to be relative to what they're doing what are the parameters around the earned income especially for younger kids
1: yeah it's very much tied to common sense here you can't pay them thousands and thousands of dollars to pick up one stick it just doesn't make sense you're gonna get challenged on that every time and so you definitely have to make it a fair wage for the type of job that you're hiring them for So there's a couple of different guidelines and benchmarks that you can use. In my own family, we've been using the, there's like a youth minimum wage rate that's within the first 20 days of employment. It's $4.25 right now per hour. And that youth wage rate is a good benchmark for really young kids because the idea is they're not super great at what they're doing. They need a lot of training and it requires a lot of employer involvement at the start and as they gain skills they can start to command a higher wage. So we use that as our mental benchmark, but we actually pay by the task. So it takes her a lot of time to do it, but then we figure out what is her hourly wage based on what we're paying her and we try to make sure that we're hitting right around that 4.25 mark. So we're right now she's at $3 an hour is what her effective wages but we actually pay her basically a quarter for the jobs that she's doing my daughter is four and a half just to give some context here I was about
0: to ask So yeah. your daughter's four and a half and and i yeah. know because you've talked about this before but remind our our listeners what kind of tasks is, is she currently doing that that you're paying her for yeah
1: so her favorite one is picking up sticks which is why i gave that as an example it's my husband's job to pick up sticks around our house because he mows the lawn and we have a lawnmower that definitely cannot go over those sticks And so it's her job to pick up the sticks. She gets a penny for really small ones, and I think she gets five cents for really big ones, if I remember right. So that's her favorite one. She likes that one a lot. She'll do that one basically every time we ask. But then some other ones are watering the plants. So she waters the plants twice a week, and she unloads the dishwasher. She'll do the utensils and the glasses. And then she also sorts our laundry, puts it in the different piles for whose clothes it is or what kind of here's the cleaning cloth she thinks it's super funny to put it in the no one owns it pile so those are all things that she can do independently too so we can be like hey can you do this and she'll just be like i'm run off and do it
0: all right i need your daughter to come up here and do some work for me we can add to her roth ira that just (laughs) sounds amazing and she is definitely on top of it now i have three kids i have how old are they 12 11 and 9 and they're barely doing more than your child so you're on top of it megan that's fantastic but they do a bunch of work around the house and we have chore lists and so every week they have to every day they check in and and get their chores done and then i pay them a weekly allowance so as you were talking about how you're paying you mentioned like the per hour you can use that as a guideline and then you said per task you could do that i pay kind of like on a weekly i guess you could sort of like a salary would that still qualify as earned income
1: Yeah, so you can just imagine ways that employees are paid. And if employees are paid that way, that's a way that you could pay your kid. There is definitely a lot of requirements for what kind of records and notes that you keep on the payment. And that record is really your biggest safety net there. So each time your child does a job, the best advice I have to offer is that you should record when and for how long your child worked. So the hard thing with the salary is sometimes you might lose track of that like how long they're actually working but that is in court cases a super big protection point knowing like they they cleaned the toilet for this many hours and then what task they were doing how much they were paid when you paid them especially if there's a difference between those two and how much of that pay was in cash so those are the five super essential things And this list is made from the guidelines in IRS Publication 926, which is a household employer's tax guide. It's also compiled from some of the best guidance I can lift from tax court cases of places where people lost what was the thing that made them lose. So that's how I've compiled this list. I don't think it's too strong to say that if you hire your child, you need to have this record. So it's really important. If you don't want to reinvent the wheel, I have on my website a form I made, which we use in my own house that just has a box for you to write each number. So you don't have to remember, what do I need to record? I just made the form, and I put it online. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. But the salary does work. It's just that sticking point of like how long the child worked that might get in trouble. There's a tax court case where the parents were hiring their kids to clean for their daycare. It was an in-home daycare, and they were cleaning all of the bathrooms and things for the daycare and they were being paid on a salary basis. And because they didn't have how long the child worked at cleaning, the IRS tried to make the claim that, oh, they were cleaning the toilets at times when you weren't paying them for it. And then they were also cleaning the toilets at times when you were paying them for it. And that shows that they weren't really working for your daycare. So there's an extra level here that's like they were getting a business deduction for the wages, which is, of course, the IRS cares way more about that than they do about just earned income. But at the same time, that how long their kid worked is actually pretty important to the IRS as evidence that you're keeping track of the employment side of things.
0: Perfect. I know you mentioned a lot right there. But I love that you said you had a form and we'll include all that in the show notes because it is super important for keeping track. And so you're telling me though, that I can't just pay them that $5 a week. I need to also write down how much time that they're spending throughout the week, like when they're doing those tasks. It's important to keep that documentation.
1: I think the documentation is your best protection in this case, just like anything IRS-related. The documentation is your best protection. That being said, I wouldn't say that you can't do it. There's definitely employers who pay salary and don't keep track of how many hours their kids work. So I think you have a defensible case. It's just that the best practice would probably say that having that record will protect you more. And if it's easy to get and you know what it is, you may as well just put it on the form. (laughs)
0: Yep. Yep. No, that makes sense. That's great. So this is, so keeping track of the earned income, super important because we are talking about making contributions to a Roth IRA where you need that earned income. So we have to keep track if we're paying our kids. Uh, household employees for doing this work so that we can easily say yes they made this amount of money and that's how much we contributed to the roth ira now again before we get into the details when we're talking about amounts of money i mentioned oh my kids are in the uh, tweener years they like to call it and so they're getting about five dollars a week for this list of chores they have to work on daily what's the starting point I you said your daughter's four and a half i know you started when she was even younger than that how much money is she making and how much are you putting into a, a roth ira
1: yeah. so the very first time that she, we started a few years ago when she was three, and that first quarter, she earned a dollar seventy. So her first Roth contribution was a dollar seventy. We're starting super small here. And we've had a full year since then of her working, and she earned it was a little over twelve dollars. So we're talking really small amounts. I think they're so small that I've had people mock me for saying, Wow, that's a lot of paperwork for a dollar seventy. But I think those same people will be surprised at the princely sum that it can turn into. Because when you think about how long of a time horizon she has to invest, we're talking she's four and a half. We're talking she's got sixty years to let those funds just sit and grow. And so even at an 8% annual return, which is pretty low given that huge time frame, but even at an 8% annual return, you can estimate the growth by just removing the decimal point. So $12, remove the decimal point. We've got two more zeros sitting on the end there. We've got 1,200. So in this way, it's not too hard to imagine from very small, diligent savings, maybe larger than I have, but very small, diligent savings. It's not hard to imagine making your child a million.
0: Absolutely. And we just had an episode around one of my other favorite. It's all, again, the Roth IRA tax-free and leaving money to compound forever for a young child, where you can turn a couple thousand dollars into multi-millions right. just by letting it sit and grow. So you're saying even $12.00 is gonna turn into $1,200 for her time. I think she'll be pretty happy yeah. having some extra money in her account. I guess I was gonna also ask, cause it does seem very small. Okay, a, a buck 70 right. for a quarter. And so going through the opening of the account and stuff, I can see a lot of people rolling their eyes and saying, geez, there's no way I'm <laughs> going through that for a dollar. But what other benefits besides the compounding do you see in working with your daughter, right? I'm sure there's other benefits of teaching points right. and everything around this.
1: Yeah, definitely. You get a whole nother relationship level with your child, which both comes with the challenges of that new relationship and it comes with the benefits of it. It's very similar to entering into that kind of homeschooling relationship where you get a whole nother level of you've got the parent child, you've got teacher, student. Now we also have employer and employee. And so she's getting to practice all of those relationships in probably the safest context that she possibly can. If she treated her, her first employer in the future the way that she treats me, she'd get fired. But at the same time, because we get to have that practice, she's getting to learn how to interact with an employer in a healthy way and how to do a job cheerfully and how to do a job even when you don't want to because the pay that you get and how to choose even when you need to do a job that you don't want to do and when you don't need to do a job that you don't want to do. And so she's getting so many lessons there. And then on top of that, having money in her pocket, which is hers, which she gets to decide what happens with it, I think that's the only way that you can learn saving and spending. You can model it with your example as a parent, but at the end of the day, if they don't have money that they make choices with, they're not going to learn how to do the right thing with it.
0: Yep. And I will, I'll double down on that last statement. I completely agree. And I started that with my kids. Here's my experience with the having their own money. We were going on vacation, going to some markets where you go around all the stalls. There's like a bazillion things to look at and potentially purchase in these markets. And the kids of course, were running around. Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? And it was driving me absolutely nuts. And so I gave them some money. Okay. You have $10 or whatever it is. And now you can decide what you're going to spend it on. And so now all of a sudden, you could see it shifting in their mind like, oh, well, you know, if I only have $10, now I have a limited resource, not the parent that has a limitless wallet. Right. <laughs> and so the wheels started turning and thinking, oh, well, how am I going to spend my money? And it completely changed the context. Of course, then the conversation was no longer, can I have this? It's how much is this? How much is this? How much is this? Because <laughs> they couldn't read all the labels or didn't know in the market how much everything costs. <laughs> so they had to turn funny. it into a math problem. <laughs> But you're exactly right. And that's the one teaching thing that that we've been fairly successful having their own money in their own wallet completely changes how they view Goods that they want. Of course, they want everything, just like every other human being.
1: (laughs) Right, right.
0: So, yeah, very good point there. I love that. And I love all your comments around having the job and really interacting, especially with the employer and stuff. It's great. You know, what a great context. Kids don't grow up, right? They suddenly are just, there's so much around finances they're not taught. We all know that, but even just that employer employee relationship. All right. Super cool. Megan, I've got questions now on how we're actually going to do this. We understand Roth IRA, many people interact with this or just traditional IRAs, individual retirement accounts. You could have that first job. You suddenly realize, oh, there's such thing as a 401k because your employer might be putting some money in for you. That's fantastic. And so you say, oh, I could do this on my own too. How do parents get started with their minor child around IRAs?
1: So the first step, obviously, is to open the account. So most major custodians offer a custodial Roth IRA. So that's the phrase you're looking for. I have my daughters at Charles Schwab. I know Vanguard and Fidelity also have them. When you're setting it up, it's really important that you understand the language because there's just a couple of terms that if you're not familiar with the account, you might not know how to fill out the form. So the child is the account holder. They're the one who actually owns the assets. But there's the second relationship, which is they call the custodian, which is the adult on the account. It can be anyone. It's normally a parent. And then there's another concept that's the age of termination. And so that is the age at which the account becomes fully just a normal Roth IRA that the child owns. And that parent-custodian relationship gets removed from the account. You get to pick the age of termination on most of the forms you get to pick up to your state's maximum. So it's a state by state law. I have a link to where you can find a list of all of the state's age of termination maximums. I recommend that you just pick the maximum. And that's not because I think that the asset should be locked up until that point. It's because at any point, you can decide to terminate that earlier and roll it over into a Roth but you can't like claw it back after the fact. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you may as well just pick your state's maximum. And then if it turns out that like you picked 21 and an 18, you really just want them to have it themselves, just make it happen. So those are the big things for filling out the forms, the account holder, the custodian, and the age of termination.
0: Okay, so we have those three things. Now, could the, can the child own a Roth IRA directly? Or is that not even allowed?
1: That's not even allowed, yeah. Okay. So there's the concept of, it's called custodian because technically there's the custody of the person and that's the guardian, who the parent, who's taking responsibility for the child. And then there's the custody of the assets. And normally that's also just the parent by default. But when you're setting up an account, any kind of an account for a kid, you have to tell the custodian who specifically is gonna custody the assets. And so, well, uh, that's confusing because there's two custodians. Charles Schwab is also called a custodian because right. they also custody the assets. But right. anyways.
0: Wait, go over that one more time. So did you say there's two different relationships? The parent has two different things? Who own? who's the custodian of the account itself?
1: Yeah, of the, the assets, pa- yeah.
0: Oh, wait, that's- of the assets inside the account?
1: Yeah, so it's who's the So it's an estate planning concept that they also just use overall. So in estate planning, it might be even easier to see what we're talking about. So in estate planning, you have to say who you want to be. Normally, we just call it a guardian. Who wants to be the guardian of the kids? But really, guardian is called custody of the person. It's who's responsible for the actual human that's actually your child, and that's the parent relationship. That's just what we think of when we think of parents. But then there's a second relationship that parents also carry, which is the custody of the assets. And that's who's responsible for taking care of the stuff your kid owns. And when you open an account, like a custodial Roth IRA, you need to pick one person to be the person who custodies those assets. So by default, it's normally a husband and a wife who are both the parents and either of them could be the custodian. But when you open an account, Charles Schwab would want to know, which one of you is it? Who's the person who's going to be responsible for this? And that's because the custodian on that account is held to the fiduciary standard. And so you're required legally to act in the best interest of the person who really owns the assets, which is your child. And they want to know if something goes wrong with this account, who do I put handcuffs on?
0: Got you. Got you. The parent, of course. Yeah, the parent. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So individual retirement account for the child and then one owner, just a single person. So pick one parent who's going to be on the form, And they're not
1: the owner. They're just responsible. It's, It's like a trustee relationship
0: correct they're responsible for yeah. keeping track of doing the right thing with the assets investing right. them appropriately managing that account for the child until they come of age so you pick one parent uh, to be doing that now could this also be a grandparent could a grandparent do this for a child
1: i think technically yes although i think when it finally came down to filling out the form it would be what the custodian like charles schwab vanguard fidelity what they're comfortable with but i think legally my understanding is that it could be anybody
0: okay all right. Now, while we're on the subject of some specifics, so now we have the account open and putting money in there. How are we going to transfer like $1. seventy? Right. Or, you know, do we have to do it every week? Can we do it like once a month or at the end of the year? How, how does that kind of work?
1: If you have the custodial Roth IRA open at the same place that you also have another account that you own open, it's super easy to just make the online transfer. So oftentimes I'm just transferring. I got paid a dividend and it was $20 and I'm just taking a seventy and moving it over because rather than reinvesting it, I'm just gonna use that to fund the Roth. So you can do those online transfers really easy if you just open it at the same place where you have everything else. And you can contribute to Roth in exactly the normal time frame as anybody contributes to a roth your kid is minor it's taboo to think about them as a whole person sometimes but they're a whole person they get the same set of rules that everybody else gets it's just that they're not allowed to be the person directing the assets at the actual bank
0: okay so we can put the assets in for them up till tax filing time for the previous calendar year so same thing it's just a roth ira you can do that okay
1: and you can separate so for example I pay my daughter in actual change so I give her an actual quarter which she puts in her actual wallet and that is the day she was paid and that's what I write down on the form as the day she was paid separately and later I also contribute to her Roth and the contribution to her Roth is not the money that she earned. It's me as her parent saying it's smart tax planning for her to fund her Roth so If we think about it super nitty gritty, the way the IRS would think about it, I have hired her and paid her a physical quarter. And that was the employer hat that I was wearing. The parent hat that I'm wearing, I also gifted her a quarter, which I put in her Roth IRA. So just in case it ever becomes relevant to somebody, like you're paying your child huge amounts of money and you're gonna be contributing huge amounts of money, you just have to think about the, it's a gift, it's paying the the child and how it's all going down. So if right. you don't want to double the money that you're actually giving your child, you may want to pay them directly to their Roth.
0: Got it. So let me say that one more time. So let's just say it's a hundred dollars for a year. Right. I would give my son a hundred dollars. And then if I want to do this the way you're doing it, I would also put a hundred dollars into the Roth IRA. So now out of my pocket's two hundred dollars. Right. So two hundred dollars out of my pocket. One, he got to keep. He had earned income of 100 That's why I could put the other 100 into the raw. So, so in the IRS rules, it is like his 100 going in. There. Like I gave it to him, the the second 100 mm-hmm. and he contributed it. But it's, you know, not, so earned it it's not earned income at that It's not earned yeah. income. It was given. So it was a gift. It's $100. So I'm under gift taxes. Right. And then he puts it. I just did it directly for him by doing that bank transfer. Right. So I gave him 200 One, he keeps in his wallet. That's what he earned. So he has earned income of 100 So I can do a max of 100 into his custodial Roth IRA.
1: And separating them also opens the opportunity for other conversations with older kids. I don't think I can do this with my four-year-old. But with your children, you probably could do something like this where you can set up an employer match type situation where you're like, look, every dollar you put in your Roth from the $100 I gave to your pocket, I as your parent I'm going to gift you a dollar also to your Roth. So you can set up scenarios which are more real world scenarios about retirement savings to teach those lessons again and also you can get your grandparents in on this so grandparents love giving money their kids they love teaching them about finance and so you can get the grandparents in saying hey actually like your parents gonna match you a dollar but I'm gonna match you a dollar too you can really incentivize it for them and if they choose not to do it they'll learn I think quickly how much money they're leaving on the table
0: that's a great point. I love getting my parents involved in, in giving the money rather than coming out of my wallet. Right. That was great. <laughs> That's a perfect idea. Yeah. All While right, We're well, on the subject of some more specifics. Any tax implications? So We talked about there's gift taxing. We know this year it's like $15,000 that you can give to any single person, including your own child with no tax implications or having to file anything specific. But in terms of tax filing, if we're doing uh, seventy or we're doing $100, is there anything we need to keep track of to actually file when it comes to tax filing time.
1: Yeah, so the simplest summary is if your child has more than 1,100 in total income from any source, unearned or earned, for the year, you should read the rules. If they have less than that, then they don't have to file. And there's no requirement there for your child at that point.
0: So if they have less than 1,100 of income, from all sources, yes. less than that, you're saying uh, you don't have to less worry about that, it because that's nothing, under the limit. You don't
1: even have to go look up the rules. If they have that much, you should look up the rules. At that point, it turns into a conversation of, is it all earned income or is some of it unearned income? If some of it's unearned income, they'll have to file at a lower dollar amount. If all of it is earned income, then the standard deduction is really the benchmark for whether or not you need to file.
0: This podcast would be five times as long if we start going down that road. <laughs> so I love that summary. Less than 1100 from all sources. You don't have to worry about it. From there, start looking it up and exactly. pay attention to some of the rules. Very and I good. have a
1: lot of articles on this topic. So if you're like, but what about my weird case? I've probably written on it. Fantastic. You can go look them up.
0: And I can attest to that uh, Murata on money.com has not only on this subject, my friends, but just on a variety of subjects that I'm super into and love. So go check out their, their blog as well. Okay. I think that was pretty much it on the tracking, the specific numbers. Oh, is there a, a limit to how much your child could put into a Roth IRA. I know we have the earned income, so if they only make $100, you can only put $100. But there is it the standard limit for everybody in terms of contributions?
1: Yep, it's the same. So it's that smaller of either $6,000 or their taxable compensation. So for most kids, they're probably limited on how much they earn unless you have a super high earner, in which case 6,000.
0: Yeah, as those teenagers get up there and they have have summer jobs or they're working throughout the year, yeah, you could hit that $6,000 limit pretty easily as a teenager. Good to keep track of there. And that's where I would definitely get the grandparents involved if you want to start (laughs) doing those contributions. Oh my
1: goodness, (laughs) yes.
0: (laughs) Okay, now we've mentioned the word Roth IRA uh, so many times and it's a great tool for this. Is there any, should we be mentioning traditional IRAs at all or that's not a topic because these kids are so young?
1: So most children are effectively in the 0% bracket because their earned income is lower than the standard deduction. So putting money into a traditional IRA would actually be punitive because they would be taking a deduction to save 0% and then later in life, they'd be withdrawing and paying whatever their tax rate is then. So a traditional IRA, not a great idea there. Unless you're parent to the Olsen twins who are independently millionaires, it's just not a good move.
0: Your child will be cursing you later, Megan, when she's withdrawing that $1,200. Why am I paying taxes on this money?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, it does bring up a question, though. We've had this whole conversation around Roth IRAs, and this is a retirement account, and my child is four and a half years old. Is it bizarre to be talking about retirement accounts?
1: I'm a financial planner, so it's never weird for me to talk about retirement with anyone. I have random friends stop me at parties to be like, hey, I heard you could tell me about a Roth. Definitely not weird for me. But that being said, I don't personally think about it as much as a retirement money when I'm thinking about my daughter. I'd love for her to have such an easy life that this money makes it all the way to retirement. But I think about it more as just helping her solve problems that money can solve in the future. And so maybe this is going to be buying a house. Maybe this is going to be starting a business. Maybe this is going to be helping her pay for medical bills. Maybe this is, I don't know what it's going to be, but there's so many emergency fund type situations that also qualify as exemptions for the penalty that Really, this money could be used for almost anything, especially when you consider that you can withdraw what you've contributed. I really see it more as just a tool for early financial freedom. Maybe she could take a year off because she has Roth money. I have no idea what it's gonna be. But setting my expectation there, I think both prepares me well for if the day does come that she wants to withdraw from it, I'm not gonna be like, but that was your retirement, and I'm gonna be sad about it. Instead, I'm gonna be super happy. I'm gonna be like, I saved money that is solving a problem that money can solve. And there's so many problems money can't solve that I'd love to empower her to solve the ones that it can.
0: That's a fantastic point, Megan. And I just want to highlight again that the Roth IRA, I think most people's first concept is oh, retirement, I can't withdraw money till I'm 59 and a half, if they even know that number It's just way down the future retirement. That's what that account is. But no, there's a lot of ways that you can take money back out of a Roth IRA, all your contributions after the account's been open for five years can all come out tax-free penalty free. And then as you said, there's also a number of exceptions to the rules that you can take money back out of this account. The Roth IRA is a fantastic savings vehicle in general. It's one of the top accounts that you should be funding because of these specific rules. Now, that being said, I will play the other side too. You want to be careful taking money out of your Roth IRA because once it's out of there, you can't get it back in. there are limits to how much you can put in every year so be very careful before you withdraw money for some reason see if there's some other source that you might be able to even i would say even if you had to take some kind of different loan not a credit cards with high interest but there are other ways of getting low interest loans that you might want to look into that even if you're paying interest remember that money is growing tax-free forever and forever is a long time yeah it should definitely
1: Uh, be the last account you tap
0: There you go. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. So very flexible. It's a great account because it has that flexibility. But when you come time to pull some money out, just make sure it's the right choice for you. Okay. As we've talked about child, different ages, very young kids, just getting started, putting in a few dollars and doing it that way. As the kids get older, is there anything else that we should consider that we haven't talked about?
1: Yes. So if your child's not a child anymore then they're 18 or they're 21, some of those exceptions that you get for being a parent employer of your child start going away. So when you're paying your kid, you're exempt from having to do payroll taxes. So that's Social Security and Medicare and things like that. That's how people paying their kids not realizing that it's earned income are not doing tax evasion. It's because they have that exception written in. But after your kid becomes of age, Those payroll taxes come back. There might also be state payroll taxes that get added in, so you need to look up your specific state. So that situation gets more complicated when they're 18 or 21. There's different things that roll in. Other than that, there's not that many special considerations. Minimum wage laws, for example, don't apply to parents who are employing their minor children, so you don't have to worry about that. People of every age benefit from a Roth, so it's not like they age out of it. It's always a good idea. Also, unlike an UGMA, which is like a custodial brokerage account that a lot of parents save money in, unlike that, the Roth is tax-free, so it's gains, interest, dividends, they're not going to affect your kid's tax planning, it's not going to suddenly become a problem on their tax return. And unlike a 529 plan, a Roth IRA doesn't count towards the FAFSA. Retirement accounts owned by either you or your child, neither of them are counted on that expected family contribution. And so it's not going to mess up them getting financial aid.
0: Oh my gosh, Megan, you just went through a a litany of why this account is so awesome. Oh my goodness, the Roth IRA is just amazing. Get your kids started as soon as possible. so true. It is great okay and i loved your other comment just snuck in there about there's no minimum wage rules when you're your parent and your child that's fantastic perfect Yep. <laughs> okay now we, the one thing we haven't talked about too much so we got the ira we're going to contribute to it. we've got the earned income limits or whatever you give to them you could double that and and, and get it in there get them going we have compound interest for decades which is fantastic uh, or compounding for decades what do you recommend on the investment side within the Roth IRA. So we've got maybe a, a buck seventy in there, maybe we've got $100 in there.
1: Right. What can we
0: do to get that invested? And what would be your recommendation for those investments?
1: All right, so I have at least four pieces of advice here. So the first one is, I really love ETFs, but if you're investing really small sums, you should focus your research on mutual funds. Most custodians don't yet allow fractional trading of ETFs, which means you need to save up enough to get one share. Because of that, you can't really get a dollar seventy invested. So with a mutual fund, you'll be able to get that fractional share of the mutual fund and keep really small sums fully invested. So mutual funds, the second, would be that a lot of mutual funds still have a transaction fee so at major custodians a lot of them have moved to no transaction fee etfs but most mutual funds still carry a pretty hefty transaction fee compared to zero Obviously, it's thirty, forty, fifty 30 40 50 dollars if you're investing a dollar 70 that's gonna get eaten up real fast to avoid that fee you should browse the custodian-specific list of no transaction fee mutual funds. So each custodian will publish a different list. Normally, it has their own funds on it. So at Schwab, the Schwab funds are on the list. At Vanguard, the Vanguard funds are on the list, so on and so forth. But shop that list so that you don't have all of the savings go to the bank. The third would be that you want to get very volatile investments with a high expected return. You want ones that trend upwards. So I'm not talking about penny stocks here, but things that you might invest in look at the ones that have the higher expected return and the higher standard deviation, because they're really great for investors with a long time horizon and no withdrawal needs, which accurately describes a child. So examples of that would be emerging markets, small cap value, mid cap value, large cap. Those are the ones that I was looking for when I was looking for my daughter's account. Fourth, you'd also wanna focus on getting low expense ratio funds. That's true for everybody. That's also true for kids. A lower expense ratio means more of the returns are kept for you, the investor, and less of it goes to that fund company. So my advice is to focus on funds where the expense ratio percentage begins 0.0. Point 0.0. So 0.04%. Just look for those ones. If you have to go a little bit higher than that to get just the funny one, okay, fine. But focus on the ones that have that point 0.0. Wow.
0: Four really good points. All excellent points. And if you just took those four points in your own portfolio, you'd be, it'd be in fantastic shape. And definitely on the Expense ratio, especially when we're talking about decades and decades of growth, you really want that expense ratio to be very low. You should be able to find the funds for sure. Mm -hmm. 0.0 X percent (laughs) should definitely be available there. Okay. Fantastic. Megan, is there anything on this, the Roth IRAs for miners? that we have not covered.
1: It's my understanding that a lot of your listeners are business owners. And I just want to speak specifically to that crowd. You do have the option of employing your children in the family business. So a child at any age can be employed by a business owned entirely by their parents, so long as it's not hazardous as defined by the commissioner. That gives you a lot of options there. Employing them in a business, you can get the business deduction. So that's awesome. If they meet the requirements, they can participate in your 401 k which is also pretty cool. And then they can contribute to Roth. So a child earning $500 in a family business, they can defer it to their Roth 401 k hopefully, if you have a Roth option there. They can receive the employer match. They can get profit sharing. And then they can also contribute to their Roth IRA. The IRS is more likely to challenge children employed by parents in small businesses because of that business deduction. So you need to make sure your records are super clear. You've documented everything. You do everything in the cleanest way possible. You treat them just like other employees. And if they're really young, like so young that the IRS might question that they're capable of doing what you're doing, I personally would also film them one time doing it just to prove, look, hands off. They're doing the job. That way you can have all that with your records in case they come to say, really, can your six-year-old alphabetize? You can be like, look at her right there. She's doing it all by herself. So that's another really great option that's out there. And there's a whole page on the IRS called Family Help, which teaches you when you're employing them in the business, what are all the exceptions that you can have? And there are a lot of them.
0: That is fantastic, Megan. Thanks for bringing that up. We're gonna need a whole nother episode just on that because you're right, as a business owner, and I've gone through this with some of my clients, there's a variety of ways. While you're making some income for your whole business. This is money for your whole family. You get the kids involved in the family business and you can shelter a lot of money. Now, of course, specifics, just do what's in the rules and keep track of that. As you said, I love the tip on the, the video taping, mm-hmm. but have your children, employees, just like every other employee, but there's a lot that you can do when you really want to strategize around tax sheltering, transferring wealth around owning your own business. So really good tips there, Megan. Megan, how can people find more on these topics?
1: Yeah. So I work for Morata Wealth Management. As you've said before, we're fee-only fiduciaries. We're a NAPFA firm in Virginia. We serve investors across the country and We really pride ourselves on having no secret sauce. So we're very open. We publicly publish all of our strategies as articles on our website. I firmly believe that if somebody had enough time to read all of those articles and had enough time to implement all of those things, they could do what we do for themselves. We strive to empower people that way. You can find us online at on com. That's M-A-R-O-T-T-A on money.com. And from there, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter. So we just email out what are the latest articles that we've written, and you can follow along and craft your own financial plan.
0: I will double down on that recommendation. I highly recommend that you get on the newsletter. I'm on the newsletter. I learn stuff every single week from these guys. I've been following the blog for multiple years, almost a decade now. And it is true. Exactly what Megan said. You can read all this and do it all yourself. And listen, I know you won't be able to do quite everything that they do for you. But if you even get 50 to 80% of the way there through those articles, you're going to be in fantastic shape. Trust me, there are so many great articles, how to run your own portfolios, what portfolios are, the ins and outs of every one of these different accounts and everything. So highly recommend checking out the website, the blogs, everything that they do, and subscribe to the newsletter. Megan, thank you so much for coming on today and letting us know all about this great Roth IRA tool for miners. I think it's going to be fantastic for folks and especially getting the word out around this because it's a great tool that the IRS lets us use and we should take advantage of it. So thank you very much for being on the show today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or mortonfinancialadvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.